we will study the Word of God. Uh, so may I request the congregation, the online congregation, to please read with me uh, our text today, which uh, are excerpts from two narratives, Genesis chapter 27, verses 41 to 46, and Genesis chapter 33, verses 4 to 12. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Let's read Genesis chapter 27, verses 41 to 46. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with leaving of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like this, my life will not be worth living. In Genesis chapter 33, verses 4 to 12, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Ezo asked, What's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Ezo said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, Jacob, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. Please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has been gracious to me and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, let us be on your way. I'll accompany you. May the Lord be worshipped and praised through the reading of his word. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for giving us this time and opportunity wherever we are to worship you in our homes, in our rooms, or perhaps in whatever place that we are in, Lord. Worshipping you is not a matter of place and it's a matter of heart. And so wherever we are today, Lord God, teach us. Speak to your people today, I pray, Lord. Illumine our hearts, open our spirits, so that we may be receptive to your word and apply them in our lives. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen and amen. 
Well, today um, we will be discussing something very important. It's about the family. Last week, Pastor Wells spoke about God's regional intention for the family, and we noted that family is God's design. Marriage and family are God's invention. It's not just a social contract or a social necessity. You may call it that way, or perhaps it is a social contract. Marriage is also a social contract. You may consider it that way, but it's more than that. We know that family is God's design, and it's part of his intention when he created the entire world. Family, it's God's invention. It's a social institution created by God himself. But we're facing a reality. Well, Pastor Will also spoke about sin, and because of sin, families are destroyed. The reality is no family is perfect. We have all sinned. We are in this mortal body, and because of that sin, we carry that sin as we relate with our family members. We relate with our family members with such imperfection. And so because of the, that imperfection, because of that sin, we bring to our relationship family feud happen, rivalry, jealousies, misunderstanding, and even, very sadly, abuse in all forms, verbal, emotional, and this is very disturbing, even sexual abuse could happen in home. This is very frightening reality, particularly in the area of abuse. Children get abused right at this very moment that I'm preaching. Spouses get abused because of sin. And by saying it's because of sin, I am not um, downgrading it or I'm not apologizing for it. In fact, I'm saying that because I want us to be disturbed. I want us to be particularly disturbed by the fact that sin exists in our communities and even in our homes. And this is disturbing, I said, because of this. The place where we're supposed to be safe, our home, our family, would be the most dangerous place for us and for some other people. And in many times, the home becomes a war zone. The home becomes a place of abuse and neglect and hurt. For instance, so many young people nowadays would find friends or even strangers um, refuge, a place of refuge. And at times, young people nowadays feel more comfortable, understood by strangers than by their own families. Some spouses will get estranged, will get separated, divorced, or will get annulment, and of course, their children will be their collateral damage. These conditions exist. And sometimes, even with loving families, with, with loving parents, even with loving parents, we can find that children will become wayward. They will be lured into sex, into drugs, and into violence. Families are messy. My family, my personal family, my own family is messy too. You see, even in the text that we have just read, 
we have seen how this particular family is so utterly messy, was so utterly messy. And the Bible did not censor this family feud, this sibling rivalries, this misunderstanding. This is the reality of our families because of the existence of sin in our hearts. But there's a question that I would like to pose, and perhaps you're asking, is there a hope for my messy family, for my messy situation? The answer to this question is obvious. There is hope. There is mercy, pardon, and love for mercy families. For, for families like what I have, for the families that you have, there is hope, there is mercy, pardon, and love for our families. And the scriptures have a list of these messy families. And let me just show this to you. Some messy families in the scripture. And I've mentioned the Bible did not censor these stories. Adam and Eve. Uh, Pastor Well uh, discussed this with us last week. Adam shifted the blame to Eve. Eve shifted the blame to the animal. And of course, we've seen the lack of leadership also of Adam. Cain and Abel, we've seen this first murder, killed his own brother out of jealousy and rage. And there's a special name for that murder. It's, it's called fratricide. Imagine they did not wait for so many people to be born and to have a, a, at least a lot of population. They couldn't wait. They killed each other. Cain killed his own brother. Abraham and Sarah, we have seen that in Genesis 20. Abraham denied his own wife, Sarah, in front of Abimelech. And Genesis chapter 26, Isaac repeated that. Isaac denied Rebekah in front of Abimelech. At the same time, he walked the same pathway his father did. And of course, you know Isaac and Rebekah played favorites. I know that you can relate. He, they played favorites with their two children, Jacob and Esau. And we saw also the relationship, the messy relationship between Jacob and Esau. Relationship marred by deceit. We know how Jacob uh, deceived his brother Esau, and we saw how Esau was very impulsive and was raging in anger and wanted to kill his own brother. But he did not stop there. I'll just stop here. But Jacob also was deceived by his own uncle Laban. The moment that he wanted um, the younger sister on that night, he was surprised to see the elder sister. Siguro sabi niya lang, okay la. Anyway, ga, come in. Siguro that happened on the first night. But, and you see, Jacob's family. His children also were characterized by a lot of jealousies, insecurities, factions, mistrust, and jealousies. And going back to the story of Jacob and Esau, these are two brothers. Actually, they are twins. They're fraternal twins. But they were in such enmity against each other, and in fact, they do not have the same likes. They are not 
are particularly very much the same. Of course, they are fraternal twins. Um, they have two different skills all, all together, but instead of complementing each other, they were fighting. In fact, we could read that from Genesis 25. We've read that, imagine inside Rebecca's womb, these two twins, fraternal twins, are already fighting. They were already jostling against each other, and Rebecca felt it. And the Bible said this, the children struggled together within her inside the womb. And she said, if it's thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and the two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And you know the story. Rebecca's favorite was Jacob. Well, Perhaps because Jacob is more like homebody and you have Esau, he's more a hunter, a warrior-like. Um, moms would love their children to help them in their household chores. And when Rebecca, the mom, heard that it was the time for Isaac to bless Esau, she devised a way so that her favorite son could get the blessing, not her own eldest son. Of course, Jacob wasn't innocent. Earlier, we know that he asked his elder brother Esau to sell his birthright over a pot of stew. He took advantage, Jacob took advantage of Esau's impulsiveness and hunger and said, ibenta mo sa akin ang iyong birthright. And he sold it. So, of course, the mother connived with the youngest son. Together, they deceived Esau. Could you imagine the wrath of Esau? I was deceived by my brother, and my mother is an accomplice to it. It happens even nowadays. Alam ko, mega relate na kayo dito. Yung magulang nyo, merong mega favorite. Halatang halata, siya ang paborito. At hindi lang yun. Makikipagkuntsabahan, makikipagsabwatan yung magulang dun sa isang anak, laban dun sa isang anak. Alam ko, marami sa inyo nanggigigil na ngayon. Perhaps you're a mega relate. Don't worry, you are in good company. Join the ranks of Esau. Esau was raging. And I think he has all the right to be mad. And because of that, we've learned this. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Perhaps this time Isaac is already dead and they're waiting for him to be buried. And he said, I will kill my brother, Jacob. We have seen this. Imagine plotting to kill your own brother over inheritance. Nangyayari din yan hanggang ngayon. Yung mga magkakapatid, nag-aaway, nagkakagalit, nagsusuntukan, nagpapatayan over inheritance. It's not new. It happened between Jacob and Esau. Twins, brothers, he's planning a murder. 
siblings will kill each other for inheritance. At least for Esau, he would want to wait for the mourning of his father before he would kill his own brother. May isang pelikula sa Pilipinas, si Charito Solis at Tulito Rodriguez. If you remember, this is a classic film, Ina Kapatid Anak. Hindi nakapaghintay si Charito Solis, si Pura at si Emilia, si Lolita Rodriguez. Nagsampalan sila. Nagsaburitan sila. The greatest sampalan in, in, tele, in the movies. Nagsampalan sila. Nagsaburitan sila sa harap ng bangkay ng tatay nila. This is a messy family. So we have now in the Bible, I would not go very far. A perfect example of a messy family. Is your family as messy as this? Or even more? We have a good example. But today, despite of this messy situation that we can find in the scripture, I'd like to share with you four things. Four gospel truths from the Bible. Good news for messy families like what I have and probably what you have. And perhaps you're in a messy situation right now. Your own family, not the family that you were from, the family that you have created are also in a messy situation. Here are the four gospel truths for you. The first is this. Sin is the reason. Sin is the reason why messy families exist. We sin because we are sinners. There's a sin in us, and as mentioned, it comes out. Because there's a sin in us, because we are sinners, we carry that sin inside our relationship. Because we are broken, we hurt ourselves, and we bring that hurt inside our relationship. That's how we would relate with our family members. That's how we would relate with our spouses. That's how we would relate with our parents. And parents, that's how we would relate with our children. We are sinful and we carry that sin in relating with our own family members. We bring that sin, we bring that brokenness, we bring that hurt inside those relationships that we have. And look at the effects of sin in us. Let's consider Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. Let me just read this to you. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so that death spread to all men because all sinned. That sin is so pervasive. That sin is so natural of us. And now look how sin is manifested in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. And you could probably relate on how these sins are very evident in our relationships. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like this. I warn you and warn you before that those who does, do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I just want you to look at the works of the flesh and how these sexual immoralities, impurities, sensuality have crept inside the family, how division, how dissension, how uh, envy, how strife 
how rivalry, how the works of the flesh, works of sin crept and went into inside our families. These things exist. Sensuality, impurity, we were all subjected to that because of sin. And because of that, we got hurt. We are victims of sexual immorality. We are all subjected to impurity, sensuality. We have rivalries within and amongst our siblings, hindi po ba? We are envious of each other in the family. Maaring kayo ay naiinggit o kayo yung kinaiinggitan. These are works of the flesh. And that's the reason why they exist, because of sin. And that's what I'm saying. Because of these things, because of all these things, we got hurt. And because we got hurt, we relate with each other and relate with others with that hurt. In the most imperfect way, we bring our hurts into our marriage. We bring our hurts and even our past relationships into our marriages. I am guilty as charged. Both Good and bad past. Sinasabi nyo, mabuti pa yung dati, mabuti pa yung dati kong asawa, mabuti pa nga nung dalaga pa ako, mabuti pa nung ganito ako. Sometimes, hindi lang bad past ang, dapa, ang masamang ibinabalik. Pati minsan yung good past. Because you compare it. We cannot control our own lust and craving for the flesh and therefore it led us to adultery and even concubinage infidelity. And because of that lust, we see abuse, sexual abuse. We tend to abuse and hurt. And because of that hurt that we felt inside our families, a place where we're supposed to be safe, because of the hurt we've experienced with our own families, we have put ourselves a lot, a lot of layers. And we put that also inside our present relationships. We have so much layers that we become so impenetrable, we cannot fully love. And that happens. And that happens. And we perpetuate that. So patuloy lang. It's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle because of sin. May kasabihan po, di ba? Hurt people will hurt people. Broken people will break other people. We don't want to love anymore because we put so much layer to protect ourselves because we were hurt. And this is the danger, for, for instance, if you were abused. And this is particularly true for those people who were abused sexually, ecologically, or physically. Sometimes psychologists say that they have forgotten the event. They wanted to forget the event. They tend to close that. They have forgotten the incident, but the effects remains there. They don't know why they're acting that way, only to find out that they're in the past, when they were very young, they were abused. That's disturbing because of sin. These people fail to fully love because they have been subjected to abuse, neglect, and sin. 
There was no love anymore. We failed to love. We failed to give so much. We became very cautious. Because that is the human reality of human love. Ito yung realidad pa tayo nagmahal. If you love, you will get hurt. Human love, that is. But you know the good news ito, mga kapatid? The good news is this. God calls us to love anyway. We can love because God has loved us. We do not have any choice but to love. But because of our hurt, because of sin, we have made ourselves into a sturdy defense that no one can penetrate us. C.S. Lewis said this, and this is a very beautiful quote. He said this, There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Pag nagmahal ka, you'll be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. Kung kayo magmamahal, sure, your heart will certainly be wrung and you will surely be broken. Now, sabi ni C.S. Lewis, if you don't want to get hurt, if you want to make sure of keeping yourself intact, your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Don't love. Wag kayo magmahal. Don't Love, do not give yourself to anyone, not even to an animal. Don't even get a pet. Now, here's what you should do for you not to get hurt. Don't love. Wrap yourself carefully with your hobbies and little luxury. Avoid all entanglements. Don't meet with people. Isolate yourself. Don't engage with any other people. Lock it up. Lock your heart. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. Lock your heart, hearts up. Lock it inside there. Lock it up safe in the casket. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Safe ka. Safe yung puso mo. But in, inside that safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. Yes, it will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. You will fail to fully love. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations or the nuances, the heartaches of love, the only safe place is hell. Beautiful. Now, this is the good news as people of God. We are forgiven. We are loved. You can love without getting hurt. And you can love this person named Jesus Christ. You can give all your love to this person and you will never get hurt. We will no longer be afraid to love. We can love because he first loved us. The Bible says that we are able to dare to love again because we have experienced genuine love. And that leads me to my second point because that is what grace is all about. The good news is you can love because grace is available. While sin will destroy everything on its path, grace is always made available. 
In the story that we have read, I go back to our text. In the story that we have read, in the time of time, Jacob encountered Yahweh. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32, you read that in your own sweet time. The story of Jacob's wrestling uh, with God is sandwiched between him meeting his brother Jacob. If you will read that, the, 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 the wrestle of Jacob was sandwiched in between that. And that's for a good point. He wrestled with Yahweh. And he asked for blessing, if you could remember in that story, before he met his brother Esau. You know, the fight wasn't just a physical fight between Jacob and that person. It was his awakening. It was the call of Jacob. It was the call of God to his life. For him, for God to tell him, in a way, Jacob, stop fighting. Amend. Stop lying. Stop pretending. Stop being the con man. Stop hiding. Stop being who you are not. I'm giving you a new identity. This is who you are. You're no longer Jacob. You are Israel. Start being who you are. This is your identity. Embrace it. And didn't we all get that grace? And so God was telling Jacob in that wrestle, amend your mistake. Go to your brother, meet him. And then he met his brother. Grace was made available to Jacob. That grace is available for messy families. For the messy family that I have and for the messy family that you have. Grace, my friend, is God's answer to our failing. Grace is God's answer to our failings. Favor to those who do not deserve it. Understanding to the people who by ordinary human ability should not be understood. Let us consider this Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 14 and how the grace of God when it appears will change us. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14 says, For the grace of God appeared bringing salvation for all people. And from that uh, manifestations of the flesh, which we have read a while ago, this is what grace leads us to, training us to renounce ungodliness. When the grace of God appears, that grace will lead us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's what grace of God brings to us. And that is made available for messy family that I have and for the messy family that you are now in. For the sins that you have committed and for the sins that was committed against you. That grace was made available to you. Grace is God's answer to our human failures and our human mistakes. That grace is very available to you. That's good news to any messy family. You see, my dear friend, grace is all we need. For someone to believe in us, for someone to love us, for someone to say that we are understood, 
for someone to give us a second chance for a grace greater than all our sins. Grace to forgive others and grace to be forgiven. The power to forgive, that is grace too. This is particularly true if you are the one being hurt. For Esau, for instance, who felt he was betrayed by his own parent, his own mother, and deceived by his own brother, there was grace available to Esau, the power to release all the hurts. The power to release the hurt that your parent has caused you, or your brother, or your sister, or your relatives. The neglect that you have endured, the mockery and the test that you have experienced and that you got from your relatives, the abuse that you have experienced, lahat yon, everything. If we understand that grace, we can be truly be freed. And that was made available to all of us to be freed from all the pain, from all the hurt, from all the bitterness. And that ability to forgive. You see, the power of grace, my friend, is actually two-edged. I'd like to share this with you. Grace is two-edged. It is the ability of the offended to forgive and the courage of the offender to repent. This is the face of grace to us. It is to forgive the people that have hurt you, especially if those people that have hurt you are your own family members. And if you're the one who offended, it is your courage to repent. That grace is made available to us. That grace appeared to us. Titus said it appeared to us. And from that life of sin, it led us to this. This grace that is two-edged, the of the offended to forgive and the courage of the offender to repent. And that leads me to this. Now, when you receive this grace, when you receive and able to release that forgiveness, and when you are able to repent for the offense that you have committed, this is the third gospel truth for all of us, for the messy families that we have. Pardon is complete. This is gospel truth number three for all of us who have these messy families. And let us read this. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, this is what God gives let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and that our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that abundance is not just abundance. It's so abundant and it's so complete. God gives unconditional pardon to messy families. The Bible describes it in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7. It is abundant. It's abundant. It's relentless. 
It will find you. The pardon is complete. It will find you. It will shape you. It will change you. You might probably committed the greatest sin of all time. I remember a story of a woman who aborted her babies. Because for her, for all the men that she slept with, having a baby will be an impediment to her sexual uh, fantasies. It will be an impediment to the life of sin and sexual pleasures. This woman aborted not only once, not only twice, but several times. It's become a habit. Until one day her life was put to danger and the baby couldn't be aborted anymore. She found God along those lines. And when that little girl was born, she realized all the fetuses that she aborted, all the life that she had terminated, all in the name of her were right, all in the name of her pleasure, were all gone. She found forgiveness. She found pardon. And through that baby, God told her, you're forgiven. Your pardon is complete. Go and sin no more. For us, perhaps you could never understand the beauty of pardon, of what it really means to be forgiven, of what it really means to be redeemed. Many of us may not be able to understand that very fully. But for those in prison, those who have life sentence, those who have lived the life of a crime, to be forgiven is everything for them. And that's the good news of the gospel. Our pardon is always complete. There is no conditions attached to it. Yes, perhaps there is love. You might be hurt, abused by your own parent. You might be abused by your own husband. Perhaps you might have taken advantage of by your own children. Whenever we have lunches in our homes, whenever we invite you, Pastor Will and I, and all the pastors, and even the elders, we love to hear your stories. Sabi ko nga, kung kaya kong isulat ang inyong mga istorya, hindi mauubusan ang maalaala mo kaya sa kanilang story material. And sometimes, when you tell me your stories, I am so surprised or wow, reality is stranger than fiction. Your stories are stories of pain, of hurt. But when I look at you, how God changed your lives, how God has found you, I always believe what I am preaching now. Pardon can be complete. Grace is always available. And you know, when you are pardoned, you can truly love again. When you feel that you're redeemed, you can truly love. Yung sinasabi ko kanina na fences, layers and layers of defenses, you will start to remove them one by one. You can truly love. You can truly experience love. You know that you can love truly, deeply. You know that love can be real. And healing 
can be a reality. And that leads me to my final point. Love is real. When you know that grace is available for you, when you know that your pardon is complete, healing can be so real, love can be real. And this is a good news. This is a good news for messy families and for those of you who have messed up your life. Love is real. It is real because Christ showed it to us. How it means to be given grace. How it means to be pardoned. And what it truly means to be truly beloved and be redeemed and be forgiven. We know that we have been loved we know that we have been given this affection. My dear brothers and sisters, love can be real. To feel that you are cared for. Isn't that what we're looking for and yearning for? To feel that you are cared for. To feel that someone is there for you. And that you can trust someone. That you can fully give yourself to someone. And that you can be trusted as well that you can give yourself wholly to someone and you will no longer be afraid without the fear of abuse, neglect, or even hurt. The reality is human beings can't be like that. But there is one person whom we can love wholly, truly, madly, deeply without the fear of getting abused, without the fear of being neglected, or without the fear of getting hurt. His name is Jesus Christ. You can love because he loves you. You know that his love is real. And you can, despite of your failing, despite of your mistake, you can truly love the family that has hurt you. You can show that grace. You can now have that ability to forgive. And if you are the offender, you will have that courage to repent. Love can be real. And that's a good news to messy families. Let me read to you Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. And look at how love has been exemplified here. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. That's how our former lives were when the sin is a reality of our lives. But because grace is made available, because our pardon is complete, we have seen this. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God, our Savior appeared, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, because we're not. We were foolish, we were disobedient, we were led astray, we were slave to our passions, we were have malice, we are envious, we are we hate each other. There's nothing in us that is righteous, but in verse 5, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That love, that compassion, that kindness was poured out to us richly 
richly, not scarcely, not in installment basis, richly, abundantly, through Christ Jesus, our Savior. This love can be real. And let me go back to my story. Let's look back to the text and look how pardon and love was shown in this story. I want us to look on how the Bible recorded this. You see, grace and mercy wasn't exemplified by Jacob. These two brothers are what I am saying a while ago, the two edges of the same grace. The ability to forgive and the courage to repent. But you see, in this case, pardon and grace wasn't exemplified by Jacob. It was exemplified by Esau. Because Jacob wasn't just a liar. He was a greedy man. He actually took the blessing that is for Esau. He is the offender. Esau was the offended party. But when you look at the story, let me just read this to you. Um, when he met Esau, Jacob, in Genesis chapter 33, um, we could read here. Let me just read this to you. In Genesis chapter 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. It was Esau who ran towards Jacob. When we see in chapter, in verse 3, Esau already saw uh, Jacob, and Jacob, they saw already each other. Of course, as you know, in the earlier chapter, Jacob was very, very afraid. He was greatly distressed. In fact, he already connived and schemed a way for, uh, for him before he would meet his brother. He would camp and would order uh, the caravans to meet his brother. In fact, um, in the earlier chapters, you will read that he made um, uh, advance parties so that he would tell his brother that I'm repenting I am your servant. He used the word, I am your servant. I'm repenting. These are my peace offering to you. I'm sending you the camels. I'm sending you the goats. I'm sending you the milk. I'm sending you everything. But of course, he made it into caravans because he was very afraid. He does not know whether his brother, whom will meet him with 400 men, will kill him or not. He does not trust his brother so much. Or perhaps he was very afraid. But look how dramatic this story unfolded. It was Esau who embraced him, kissed him. For Esau, to see his brother, to embrace him, and to forgive him is enough. Esau, as you know in the story, met all of those caravans earlier. In fact, he asked, what are these for? It is for you to find favor in your sight. In fact, Esau did not ask. 
despite the earlier instructions of Jacob to say, when you meet my brother Esau, tell him this is for him, this is uh, for, from his servant Jacob, from his servant Jacob, Esau, it appears to me, he did not ask. He does not want the ram. He does not want the goat. He does not want anything. He just wanted his brother. He wanted to embrace him. He wanted forgiveness. He wanted to forgive his brother. I don't want the goat. Don't send me the goat. Don't send me the ram. Don't send me all of these things. I just wanted to be reconciled. Look how God put together this story of grace and love. Grace was exemplified. Pardon is complete and love was made real. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, Esau used the term brother. We read this. Genesis chapter 27, verses 41, he reads, I will kill my brother, Jacob. What a turning events in Genesis chapter 33, verse 9, when Esau used the term brother, this time no longer to kill. But he said to his brother in verse 9 of chapter 33, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. You have taken so much from me. You have taken my birthright. You have taken my blessing. But whatever you have taken me, take that. And in fact, you will read in the story, Jake Esau even wanted to give him more. He even offered half of his men to accompany him. In the first part of the story, Esau was very furious. He wanted to kill Jacob, who took everything from him. But in the end, Esau said, you've taken everything from me. Keep it and take more. Keep everything for yourself. And he used again the word brother. Keep it. It's all yours. For me, at this moment and juncture of the narrative, I saw God in the person of Esau. No wonder Jacob said, for me to be forgiven by you is just like seeing the face of God. To be forgiven is to see the face of God. To feel that your pardon is complete. For you to feel that grace is made available for you. And to feel that love was being made real to you is good use to messy families. God can restore your messy family. What a love. What a restoration. Well, of course, we have heard nothing from the two brothers after. Um, there were commentaries that said that Jacob did not trust much Esau, actually. But he said, I will follow you, but he did not follow him. But I don't want to go to that route. In fact, I would say that I would even offer the interpretation that they respected their path. They knew what God's calling into their lives were. And so I think the offer of, of Jacob to follow Esau was a polite way of saying, I will follow you. We are already reconciled. In fact, Esau accepted the offering of Jacob. And the Bible did not say this. 
Jacob met God. He wrestled before he met Esau. The Bible did not record this, but I'm very sure God met also Esau. Because I don't think Esau would have given forgiveness or would be able to forgive his brother had not God intervened also into his heart. Both brothers were met by God. The rivalry, the messy family, and this relationship was restored. There's a good news to all of us. There's a good news for messy families. That although sin is the reason why these families exist, this is the good news for us. Grace is available for us. Our pardon is complete. And love is real. My dear brothers and sisters, pain and healing may come from the same place. Jesus was bruised, was pierced, and stabbed on the cross. The same place where we obtained our healing and restoration. You might have been bruised, pierced, and stabbed by your own home. Your healing and restoration could also come from the same place. We say this, and I will end this. Many messy families happen because of so many reasons. For you who are here in Singapore, you were separated from your families because of economic reasons. And I've said this, there will have to come a time that you have to go home. You have already pawned your marriage. You have already sacrificed your relationships with your children who are looking for you. I am not saying that all of you will come go home in one go. What I'm saying is this, don't stay here indefinitely. You've already made the sacrifice. Go home and be with your family when the time comes. You will come home, perhaps, with a broken marriage. You will probably come home with your children not knowing you. But let the story of Jacob and Esau encourage you. God can restore you. God can restore your messy family. Grace is available for you and your family. Pardon for you and for your children is complete. And your love for each other can be real. And I hope today that's a gospel truth for all of us. And that's the message for messy families like what I have and like what you have. Let us all pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. For the good news that although sin destroyed our families, our relationships with our siblings, with our parents, with our relatives, with our moms, our dads, or even with our own children, Lord, grace is available for us. You will give us the power and the ability to forgive and if we are the one who have offended someone, you will give us courage like Jacob to repent and to amend our mistakes. And Father, you have assured us with that grace that our forgiveness is complete in you, our redemption is complete in you. And because of that grace, because of that pardon, we can truly love. We can feel love again. And Father, I pray 
I know in this church, there are so many messy families. There are so many families broken by hurt, by sin, by rivalries, by dissension, by wrath, mga pag-aaway-aaway ng magkakapatid, ng mga magulang, pagkakahiwalay nila Panginoon. Lord, there are so many mothers here in this church who were separated from their children and those separation cost so much division, so much separation that they don't even know each other. Father, let your gospel be our encouragement that when the right time comes, you will restore us. And when the right time comes, in the fullness of your time, you will give us that grace. And Father, I pray it was your original intention to build families. I pray, Father, that you will bring healing, restoration to our families. And this is what we have been preaching in this church. We want families to be restored because this is what you're calling us to do. And Lord, thank you because we have in your word hope for our messy families. This is how you will rebuild us through your gospel, through your message of love and hope. Not just for our family members, but to us ourselves. Be with your people today, I pray, and bless them, O Lord. Heal them, and may the healing that comes from you, the balm of Gilead, touch them today. All this I ask in the name of our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, who heals us from all our pain hurts. To him, our Savior. Amen and amen. Let us receive the benediction from God. May the God of peace, our great Father, like our caring parent whose love reached out to us in affection, care, and gentleness. To his Son, our Lord Jesus, who reconciled us to God and brought us redemption through his own blood and sacrifice. And to the Holy Spirit, who helped us and brings us to greater understanding of God's grace, pardon, and love. To the triune God who lavished us love and mercy. May our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be worshipped, adored, and glorified in our lives now and forevermore until we, the bride of Christ, meet our bridegroom and join him for eternity. And the people of God will respond with amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, my dear brothers and sisters, for joining us today. Join us later at 2 p.m. for our functional family. This is a continuation of what we have heard today. And may your families be restored. God bless you and see you next week.